If you have a Bible, you want to turn to uh, John 6. If you don't have a Bible, there's no judgment. You could take out your phone if you want to follow along too. <laughs> pull up the Bible on that. If not, just, just hear the, the word of the Lord this morning. So John 6. Uh, if you got one of the brown Bibles from up here, it's probably on page uh, 1116. Probably. It might be different, but John 6. Hear these words uh, from the word of God. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, where, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have one bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Uh, here's, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but... How far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. The word of the Lord. I imagine that this is probably a pretty familiar story to most of us here this morning. It's a, it's a story, one of the few stories that is in every single gospel. So it's in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's always a little bit different, but it's the same, or it's the same story in all of them. And in the passage today, it's, it's interesting because it starts out, and Jesus, he's just minding his own business. He's spending some quality time with his disciples. You know, they're just sitting around, speaking with each other, probably teach, uh, Jesus telling them these important truths that they need to know, um, which he thinks they didn't know. They probably didn't understand what he was talking about. But Jesus, as he's meeting with his disciples, he, can look, he looks off into the distance, and he sees a crowd coming, a looming, this looming, large crowd coming to see Jesus. You know, the crowd of people, they probably heard Jesus was in town, and you know, the Bible says that they had heard, the signs, heard about the signs that he performed. So they're probably thinking, you know, 
maybe we should check out this Jesus guy. I, I think I saw him in town the other day. Let's see what this guy is all about. I mean, I heard he healed a bunch of sick people. Maybe, maybe that's true. Let's see what he can do. You know, it's probably, it, this is the best way to start a, you know, Passover holiday break anyway. And you know, Jesus is looking at this looming crowd of people, this huge crowd, and he feels compelled. He jokes, he jokes with Philip, he suggests to Philip, hey, where should we get all the food to feed these people, right? It's a good suggestion. It's a pretty common in Middle Eastern culture to be able to feed guests, to give them some food and hospitality. But Philip, he like, he freaks out. He's like, feed all of them? Do you see that huge crowd, Jesus? That would probably cost like eight months' wages. What ki- Do you have that kind of money? I certainly don't. You know, and even then, Jesus, everyone would only get like one bite of food. It wouldn't be worthwhile. Jesus, you can't be serious that you want to feed all of these people. But then Andrew, the go-getter of the group, he, he steps, he speaks up. He's like, hey, there's, here, there's a little boy over here. He's got five loaves of bread, two fish. You know, maybe we can use that, but you know, how, much is, how far is that going to go? That's not going to go anywhere. We could take some of his food and we could, at least some people would have something. Come on, Andrew. Taking bread and fish from a little child? What are you doing? But it raises a bigger question from this passage. Is it, did no one have any food? You know, they didn't ask anybody in the crowd. The Bible doesn't say they asked the name of the crowd, but really they have to resort to taking food from this small child? No one had any food to offer. I find that hard to believe. I find it hard to believe that there was no one else in the crowd that could share some food with the other people. They couldn't pool their resources and maybe have a good meal together. As Jesus stands there and sees this large crowd, he feels compelled to satisfy the needs of the people. You know, people need food to eat. And this is what Jesus came to do, to satisfy the needs of his people. And if a little history about the area that they were in. So up by the Sea of Galilee, that was in the, um, that was in the Galilee province, basically. And it was not known as the rich area of the Roman world. Actually, this part of the Roman world is pretty poor. Not a lot of rich people lived there. So, and Jesus, he had grown up in Galilee. He knew about the people there, what their life was like. You see, they didn't have a lot. They were mistreated by the Roman government. They didn't have very good jobs to pay for a lot of stuff. So it makes sense that these people are probably hungry. If there's a chance that you could give them free food, they're the ones who might need it. You you know, in a commentary, one of the things that it even said is, so like, the little boy has barley loaves, and that shows that barley was not the bread of rich people. Barley was the bread of poor people. It's not the good bread. So the people in Galilee, they're underdogs. They need the food, and Jesus feels compelled to feed these people. So Jesus asked the question to his disciples. 
where should we buy food for all these people to eat? And instead of everyone jumping at the chance to offer hospitality, instead of everyone saying, hey, you know what, I got a little bit, let's use this. Instead of, you know, people thinking, well, you know, maybe I can share with some of them that, you know, it doesn't look like they brought their food. Instead, everybody has a different excuse that shows the anxiety that they were feeling. You know, you got Philip, and he's like, he freaks out. There's no way we can pay for this Jesus. That's not going to work. And it makes him inactive. And then you got Philip, who instead of, or sorry, Andrew, instead of maybe offering what he had, he's, he suggests using someone else's food. Not convinced it will help, but hey, it's something. The people, there's this concern that they don't have enough. We don't have anything we can offer you, Jesus. We don't have, we, we have nothing to offer you. It's not a stretch to say that there's a lot of problems in the world today. I don't think that's a, an outlandish statement. We hear about persecuted Christians, but we also hear about a lot of people who are hungry. You know, people who are hungry for food, but also people hungry for a job, or people hungry for healing, people hungry for community, people hungry for justice, people hungry for peace, and people hungry for Christ. There's a lot of hunger in the world today. Physical hunger, people, you know, poverty is still a huge issue. But also, you know, in the form of maybe housing, clothing, but also spiritual and emotional hunger. I, Lord, I, I'm, I need community. Where can I find community? Lord, I, I just don't have meaning in my life. Sometimes we feel like the crowd of people, you know, or the disciples. We don't have anything to offer you, Jesus. We know there's this problem, but what can we do? Or we feel like what we have, it just isn't enough. So what's the point? You know, why even offer anything in the first place? Christ can't use what little I have. Maybe I'll just forget, forget about fixing. Or maybe we feel so compelled that we try really hard to do it ourselves, taking other people's resources they have and really trying to strong arm our way into solving a problem. But the question is, do we really believe in the bread of life? What Jesus calls himself, just a few verses later, I am the bread of life. Do we really believe? Do we really believe that Christ will solve these problems? Are we trusting that God will provide us with this food? Are we willing to offer what little we have to him? A few summers ago, I, most of you know, I spent some time at Pine Rest as a chaplain. And I remember this was like my first real experience. My first real experience of being a pastor, of being a chaplain. I had never really done anything like it before. And I wasn't so sure. I was, it was, I was really meant for it. I wasn't so sure that this would be a good idea, that I could actually have anything to offer. And what I found was that it was very hard 
to listen to patients and what they were going through. It was very hard because, you know, it's hard to believe. It truly is that I like talking. I am not generally a quiet person. I know it's, it's shocking to you, I bet. But one of the things that I had, I had this picture of a pastor, of a chaplain, as someone who... You know, you, you listen to people's problems, but then you help them. You tell them, you need to do this. Maybe read this psalm. Maybe, you know, think of God more like this. Maybe I can connect you with these people. Like, pastors, they're a problem solver, right? They get things done. That's the idea that I had. You know, a pastor helps fix someone's spiritual life. And I was concerned because I didn't think I had the experience. I didn't think I had the talent and the wisdom to do that for other people. And I I would tell this to my mentor chaplains, and they, they said, told me something very strange. They suggested, hey, Chad, how about instead of saying or talking and answering people's questions in these sessions, how about you try to say as little as possible? Hmm. I don't think that's going to work. You know, first off, try to talk as little as possible. Do do they even know who I am? Like, I love talking. But second, how can I help people if I don't actively offer them something? But, you know, I trusted the other chaplains. And I tried, that was the hardest part, actually, this summer. It's just not responding, not like talking, not interrupting other people when they're telling me things, to be comfortable with the silence and to let some of these patients you know, guide, them, guide to what, where they need to go rather than my, me guiding them. And I found that afterwards, people started to tell me that, you know, I really appreciated my time talking with you. I feel a lot better now. I feel like I have a sense of peace that I didn't have before. And I'm sitting there, I didn't do anything. I just sat here and listened to you the entire time. You know, they didn't receive anything from me. At least nothing tangible. But I feel like like Christ's disciples, we don't know what to do with these big problems in the world. You know, the hunger, the pain. You know, our small contribution doesn't make that much of a difference. Why even try help? What's the point? It's not like Christ is going to take that dollar I put in the offering place and and make it $5 magically. It's not how it works. Or, you know, what little time that I have to volunteer, it's not going to make that big of a difference. You know, there's there's other people who are going to help on Sunday morning put up chairs Besides, putting up chairs is not that big of a deal, right? Maybe we're worried that we don't have anything to offer to the kingdom of Christ. If we take a step back, look at the, sur- uh, look at the passage again, we see that you know Philip, he's having like a panic attack because Jesus wants to try to buy food for everybody, and that's not going to work. And, we, and then there's Andrew, who's trying to take food from little children. It's not the picture of like a, a really well-oiled machine providing food for people. And, but Jesus, he says, okay, let me take over. 
Because originally Jesus, he already had a plan of what he was going to do in the first place. He was just trying to test his disciples. So Jesus tells everybody, sit down in the grass. Take a seat in the grass. There's plenty of grass around. You know, the good shepherd, he leads his sheep to green pastures. Sit down and receive. Jesus does take what the little boy has to offer. It's interesting that this small little guy, this small little boy, it seems like he's the only person who really understands what's going on. He trusts Jesus. He, he's willing to sacrifice what little he has for, to Christ. And Jesus takes this offering. He takes those five barley loaves and the two fish. And after everybody's seated, he, what he does is he gives thanks for it. Give thanks to God. And then Jesus goes around, starts distributing it, distributing it to all the people, all the groups. You know, 5,000 men, not including women and children, mind you. That's a lot of people. Starts just, Jesus starts distributing it, and, and each person, as they're passing it from one person to another, they, they're able to have their fill, to be full, to be hungry, to be satisfied. It's a perfect picture of the kingdom. A time of abundance where everybody has their fill. It reminds us of when God provides for his people in the desert, the manna from heaven, the bread of life that has come from heaven is providing food for them now. A time when communities of people sit together and eat together. Forgetting about the anxiety and the troubles they've had and just being a community, a kingdom together. Because not only, Christ doesn't only just bring them food, he also brings people together. And after everyone has their fill, Jesus tells the disciples to gather up the remainder, I don't want anything to go to waste. And they grab 12 baskets of food. Is there a significance in it being 12 baskets? You know, Maybe. Maybe it does, it's supposed to remind us about the 12 tribes that, you know, God brought out during the time of Passover. And maybe, you know, these 12 tribes, it's supposed to remind us that God provided them bread in the desert, bread from heaven. And he's doing that now with Christ, the bread of heaven. You know, maybe. But I think what at least it's saying is that there is 12 baskets of food left over. We start out with five little loaves of bread and two little fish. Now there's 12 baskets. A time of abundance. There is enough for everybody. This small amount that the boy had, Christ was able to take it and provide for his people. The boy, you know, he wasn't worried that he wasn't going to get something to eat. The boy trusted in Jesus. The boy was not frozen with anxiety. You know, the boy didn't feel compelled to solve the problem on his own of feeding 5,000 people. The boy, he just trusted Jesus. Jesus, this is what I have to offer the kingdom. And this is what the bread of heaven, Christ, does. Jesus, he takes that small amount we have and he multiplies it. 
Jesus takes this small amount of food, gives thanks to God for it, and feeds 5,000 men and more women and children. Christ, he wasn't expecting his disciples to figure out what to do, to, f- to realize the problem, to, s- to get f- food for all these people. That's, he wasn't doing that. That wasn't his plan. He had something else in mind. Christ doesn't expect us to individually solve the world's problems. Instead, he expects us to offer what he have. we have. He brings us into a group, and he asks us what we have to offer. You see, Jesus does the heavy lifting. Jesus multiplies the food. Jesus joins the people together. Together they enjoy the meal he's provided from what little they have to offer. Sit down together and receive. So that's great. That's all fine and dandy. But what does it mean for us today? I don't think we would expect to only offer, you know, a few sandwiches at like a community dinner. Like, you know, I was, yeah, Christ still works miracles. Miracles still happen. You can hear stories of things. But yeah, that doesn't happen a lot. What does this story mean for our lives today? I think, like the little boy, we all still have something that we can offer. Our contribution to Christ, our contribution to the kingdom, allowing Christ to do the heavy lifting, allowing Christ to multiply our gifts, and allowing Christ to be the main actor in bringing his people together. What do we have to offer? What little do we give to God in order that he may multiply it? I think it's going to be different for each of us. It's also going to depend on the situation that we're in. But I think the main thing is we can offer our faith. We can trust in Christ. We can believe in the one whom God has said, the bread of heaven. We can trust and have faith in him that he is still working. He's still moving in the way he did. And he uses what little that we can offer in faith to build his kingdom, to gather the people together. For us, Christ is not literally, we're not literally giving Christ some bread and fish. He's not literally taking that and feeding us. But Christ uses what his church has, what small resources they have, in order to feed the hungry. To feed the hungry physically, spiritually, and emotionally. So what do we have to offer Christ? Thinking about my time at Pine Rest, reflecting on it, I knew that I didn't have a lot to offer, but I did have time, and I had an open ear to listen. Sure, it took me a while to really learn good listening skills, but I had that small amount to offer, allowing Christ to be the, the main mover in that, allowing Christ to work through that person's life, through his spirit, to provide them the peace and the rest that they needed. See, I didn't need to try to fix these problems. I needed to just offer what I had. 
on Friday, a few of us, we met um, to kind of like look over this passage and to consider what it means. And there was this strong feeling that there's this sense at Creston that this is a good passage for us to think about. You know, we're sitting here in New City's basement. It's a very nice space, mind you. But we got a busted boiler. We can't use our church for a while. And, you know, our budget situation is not great. Maybe a lot of us are seeing these problems. And our anxiety starts boiling up. We kind of feel like maybe Philip or Andrew where, you know, we get frozen. We get so discouraged. Like, how how are we going to be able to fix these problems? Or, you know, my little money isn't going to do any good. How can, but how can we be like the little boy? What are our five loaves and our two fish to offer? What can we give to Christ in faith, trusting that he's provided, he's brought us together in order to do great things? You know, maybe it is money. Maybe it's more time to help out at church. Whatever it is, we need to offer it in faith. We need to believe in the one whom God has sent. Christ has brought us together. Christ is working in our community, so we're not meant to be anxious. Instead, we're called to offer this little bit in faith. Christ Christ has brought us to the green grass, a place where we can worship him without fear, without concern. A community that we don't have to be anxious about what little we have, a community of people like that small boy who offer, eagerly offer what little we have so Christ can use it to feed his kingdom and multiply his kingdom. Would you please join me in prayer? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we come to you this morning. Ready to receive what you have to offer us today, Lord. We pray that you have provided us with the spiritual bread of your word, Lord, and that we would continue to be thinking about what we have to offer your kingdom, Lord, not because, not in order to be saved or in order to be part of the community, Lord, but because we have received so much from you. We pray, Lord, today that you would show us what little we have to offer, what we can offer in faith and that we can trust and believe in you, Lord. Believe that you are still working to feed the hungry in the world today. Lord, we pray that and we're thankful that you give us an opportunity, an opportunity to to give up up some of our gifts, to use our gifts to glorify you and to expand your kingdom, to continue gathering people to the green grass, Lord. Be with us now and be with us as we go from this place that you will show us what we have to offer in all the situations of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.